Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. I got rights. You got rights. We've all got rights. We've all got rights. Gotta have a home. Gotta be well fed. Hey everybody, it's Bethany. I'm hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. And surprise, surprise, Congress can't defund Planned Parenthood. They just can't get enough votes to actually do anything. Congress could not vote. They could not come to an agreement on defunding Planned Parenthood when it has been exposed that Planned Parenthood is selling babies' body parts. Okay, so certain organizations that buy body tissue from fetuses and old people, it's called STEM Express. You can go to stemexpress.com and read about it. They take tissue, blood, and they use this for scientific research. So the question is, at what point do we say it is okay for experimenting on babies' body parts. And apparently Congress can't Actually, you have 435 members in Congress in the House of Representatives and 100 in the United States Senate. So that's 535 elected members to Congress. They cannot come to an agreement on whether or not they should defund Planned Parenthood, knowing that Planned Parenthood is selling babies' body parts. So the question really is, is it illegal in any case to buy and sell body parts? Is it illegal for STEM Express to buy body parts? What people can really seem to recognize is that our government, as I have argued numerous times, our government is illegitimate. The majority of people in Congress are guilty of treason, and it it should just, honestly, it should come as no surprise. It should not shock anyone. Congress, who received tons of money from bankers who are heavily invested in Planned Parenthood and the whole population population control initiative that extends beyond Planned Parenthood would not vote to defund Planned Parenthood. It's not surprising. You know, I want to explain a couple things on the show. First, abortion is not about the woman's health. Abortion is about terminating the health of the body growing inside of the woman's body. In fact, I want to tell you something that most people don't know. Forced abortion and homicide are the number one cause of death of pregnant women in America. Forced abortions. When a man forces forces an abortion, he either does it by punching the woman, throwing her downstairs, pouring acid down her throat. Believe it or not, this is actually happening in every state in the United States of America. A father, a brother, a boyfriend, a husband, whomever it is, someone attacks the woman who is pregnant and forces an abortion. It's considered homicide. It's considered manslaughter. And if it is uh, the death of the woman and the baby, then obviously it could be murder one or murder two. But what most people are not discussing about abortion is that the number one cause of death for pregnant women in the United States of America is homicide. They are being killed by someone who is forcing them to have an abortion and they say no. The reality is that abortion affects women in many more ways than people realize. And another thing people don't recognize is that 
Roe v. Wade in itself is completely unconstitutional. And I write about this on Constitution.com, and it's written and it's been published in other news outlets. But when the Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade, they ruled that abortion could be legal depending on a certain point of fetal viability, but there's no real definition of when a fetus is viable, even though the Founding Fathers had a specific definition of when the fetus was viable. And the court stipulated that abortion could be permitted for quote-unquote health reasons of the woman up until she gave birth to the baby. But health reasons is loosely defined so that virtually any health reason could be reason enough to have an abortion a woman could give. And any reason or any definition of fetal viability could be given by someone, a doctor or a woman, whomever, to require a request having an abortion. Now, why I argue that the ruling about abortion in 1973 is actually unconstitutional is for several reasons. The Supreme Court ruled that under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, a woman has the right to privacy, and the right to privacy allows her to have an abortion. And basically what the court did is they discriminated against the baby and said that the woman's privacy trumped the baby's right to life. And what one law professor, uh, the University of St. Thomas, one law professor, Michael Stokes Paulson, said what the court did in 1973 was they actually created, quote, a constitutional right of some human beings to kill other human beings. Therefore, it is legally okay to kill another human being if it falls within the category of protecting a woman's privacy. Another law professor, these are all constitutional law professors who I'm quoting. Another one, University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League School, Kermit Roosevelt. And this is what he said. And by the way, he supports legalizing abortion. But this is what he said as a constitutional argument. Roe versus Wade is barely coherent. The court pulled its fundamental right to choose more or less from the constitutional either. Meaning, where were they? They were brain dead. They were high. Okay, another thing to point out is that Justice William Rehnquist, who later became the Chief Justice, but when he dissented, meaning he opposed the court's majority ruling, what he said about their ruling, he said, quote, to reach this result, the court necessarily had to find within the scope of the 14th Amendment a right that was apparently completely unknown to the drafters of the amendment, end quote. What he means was they ignored historical context. They ignored legal jurisprudence. They ignored the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution's intent specifically related to when the 14th Amendment was adopted. But even more so, go back to the beginning. What's the Constitution's most fundamental principle? Equality of human rights. The equality of every human being to have inalienable rights. The protection of one's life to live. So the Constitution from the get-go, before you ever get to the 14th Amendment, in fact, all the way up through the first seven amendments, the Constitution is saying that every human life must be protected. It doesn't matter how old you are, what, how, how fat, how thin you are. It doesn't matter if you're retarded or if you're a genius. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or you're on life support. If you're dependent on another human being, it doesn't matter. All of our rights 
to life. Our rights as a human being pre-exist man-made law. That was the whole point. That's why when I'm talking about the four points of Sam Adams and talking about an illegitimate government, George Washington and the founders knew they quoted John Locke when the government is unjust, meaning there is no law that you can go to on earth that is just. You have to appeal to heaven, which means that we don't have to follow that law. We reject it and we oppose it. And what I want to point out is something that a preeminent law professor at Yale, another Ivy League school, John Hart Ely wrote, and I'm quoting, what is frightening about Roe is that this super protected right is not inferable from the language of the Constitution, not inferable from the language of the Constitution. And I have the full quote in the column on my website and on Constitution.com and some other news organizations. But basically what he said, Roe v. Wade, the ruling was bad because it is bad constitutional law or rather because it is not constitutional law and gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be, meaning they didn't even try to mask the fact that they created law that was unconstitutional. So basically what he's saying is that that their ruling in itself is unconstitutional. It violates the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution itself. So when you go through and you actually read what the court ruled, you recognize that what these constitutional law professors are saying is that the court reaching this decision was moronic. It came from constitutional either. They didn't create law based on the Constitution. So I've got to take a break. Thanks so much for listening. This is Bethany. I want to talk more about the illegitimacy of the Supreme Court. We have a court that's actually making policy and law that violates the Constitution. We have a do-nothing Congress and an inept president that does nothing either. The Supreme Court is not the end-all, be-all of the law of the land. We are. The American people are the end-all, be-all. Our laws on the state level, on the local level, are enacted because of voters who are voting for representatives in their local legislature to represent them. Prior to 1973, all 50 states had outlawed abortion. It was either through a statute or it was through a ballot initiative. Either way, the voters had direct say in what the laws of their state said. And in 1973, the Supreme Court overruled the voters in every one of our 50 states. Well, that's absurd. That's unconstitutional in itself. We live in a representative democratic republic where people are represented by elected officials. Congress can over overrule the Supreme Court. The president can overrule Congress. The states, through a convention of states, the states can overrule Congress. And when we have an illegitimate law and an unjust court, it is time to demand that we get rid of it. And we don't follow the laws of an unjust court. Our Congress, our president, and our Supreme Court are totally unjust. And all three of those balances of power are actually equally creating unjust unjust laws. And so it's time for Americans to say enough is enough. You're listening to Bethany. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. My webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, 
How many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. I got rights. You got rights. We Gotta have a home, gotta be well fed, have a place to love, and rest your head. Hey everybody, we're back. Thanks so much for listening. I really enjoy being on Renegade Talk Radio and talking to people about what I understand, having worked in Congress, understand about politics, culture, religion, a lot of topics that people don't want to talk about or they say we shouldn't talk about. But as Americans, why we should care, why we should be informed, and what we can do about it. So as I have been arguing, the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade was actually unconstitutional. As one con law professor wrote or has stated, they basically enabled a constitutional right for some human beings to kill other human beings. Another con law professor said the ruling was was bad because it is quote, bad constitutional law, or rather because it is not constitutional law and gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be, end quote. So the reality is that any constitutional law press professor can recognize the unconstitutionality of Roe v. Wade. And because we have a do-nothing Congress and a do-nothing president and an apathetic people, we could have easily overruled the Supreme Court's ruling. The Supreme Court is not the ultimate legal authority in America. And that's something I want to stress and emphasize to everyone. We have a balance of power in America and as a constitutional republic, the authority for rule comes from the voters. It comes from the people. And the majority of Americans do not support abortion. In fact, all of the polls, the accurate polls, show that they support very strict regulations related to abortion. And so as a result of the Supreme Court's ruling in 1975, those justices legalized the number one cause of murder and human death in America, which is abortion. So since 1973, more than 50 mil- 56 million human beings have been legally killed solely because another person wants to their quote-unquote rights to privacy. I want to explain exactly what abortion is. And when uh, Planned Parenthood is selling body parts, I want to explain what body parts we're talking about. Um, it's something called suction, curatage, or vacu- and vacuum aspiration. And so these procedures, abortion advocates argue, is that suctioning the fetus doesn't harm the mother and the fetus doesn't feel the fact that its body is being ripped apart because it's technically according to abortion advocates, not a human being. I want to explain what suction curatage or in vacuum aspiration is. 
There's a canola, which is the word for a hollow plastic tube, and the tube is attached to a vacuum-type pump with a flexible hose. So just imagine a vacuum cleaner with the movable hose. So instead of pushing the vacuum cleaner back and forth across the floor, you're using a hose to get to the small and hard-to-reach places. Imagine that you're inserting that vacuum hose in up into the vagina and cervix in through and up into the uterus of the woman. You're dislodging the baby through the placenta and you're sucking different body parts off of the fetus, off of the baby. So the baby, imagine the baby, it's sleeping or or just laying around in the womb and the suction, the vacuum comes in and sucks off its foot. Then it sucks off the rest of its leg then it sucks off a hand then it sucks off a leg then it's maybe it leaves the head for last maybe they leave the whole torso intact either way the the abortionist is trained in feeling for and identifying body parts so that when they suction the body part off of the baby Again, this is a living baby. I want you to think about anybody suctioning off your puppy's paw or just using a knife and chopping off the puppy's paw with no medicine, with no painkillers while the puppy is is fully alive and can feel. Test after test has shown, reports, documentation, research has shown that babies feel pain. Babies also know their mother's voice. They respond to music. There's a lot more in the womb that we could learn about if medical research went to actually studying babies, living babies in the womb, as opposed to figuring out how to suction off their body parts for profit. Now, after the vacuum hose has sucked off a body part, a curette is used to scrape out anything that's left inside. And usually after that, there will be another round of vacuum suction uh, just to make sure that any pieces like a foot or a head or a hand or a knee aren't left inside of the woman. And after all of the contents are suctioned off, guess where they go? They are suctioned into a jar, a little jar. So think of how you pickle vegetables, you pickle fruits, you can fruits, you pickle vegetables, whatever it is. So just imagine abortionists have jars so instead of pickled peaches or pickles or cucumbers or tomatoes there are jars of body parts of hands and feet and heads or whatever else it is in a jar not only are they suctioned off and put into a jar the abortionists determine if these body parts adequately represent what they understand to be the um, the correct amount of a fetal part and tissue that correlates to the gestational estimate. So if your baby is six months old, they should estimate having six-month-old equivalent parts and tissue of that baby. I've written about something else that you can find on Town Hall and numerous other news sites where gays want in on abortion. Gays and transgender people actually can participate in simulated abortions at quote-unquote gay spa or gay abortion spas. If you're gay, 
you're two gay guys and you literally cannot have a baby because as a man, you will never have a uterus. I don't care what Bruce Jenner thinks he is. He will never be a woman. Anyway, two gay men, they can pretend to be pregnant and they can pretend that something that is not a baby is growing inside of them in their non-uterus and then they can have a simulated procedure to remove nothing from their bodies. I'm not joking. And so abortion proponents like Tim Miller, who's Jeb Bush's communication director, who is also a significant person behind the campaign to overturn Proposition 8, or actually I'm not sure if any of the other gay activist staff like Tim Miller who work for Jeb Bush have tried it, but according to national news reports, gays are raving about these gay abortion spas where they can pretend to be pregnant, pretend to have nothing grow inside of them, and pretend to have a simulated, actually go through a simulated procedure that removes nothing from inside of their body so they can they can be in touch with their feminine side even though they don't have a uterus and will never carry a baby i kid you not so this is this is the kind of insanity that we're dealing with and by the way the bush family has serious connections to planned parenthood one of its founding treasurers who helped launch it its first national fundraising campaign in 1947 was prescott bush now who is prescott bush prescott was the father of former president george herbert walker bush and he was the grandfather to george w bush and former governor jeb bush So the Bush dynastic legacy has long been involved with reproductive rights and family planning. And Jeb Bush was on the board of one of these nonprofit organizations associated with Bloomberg. Actually, he was one of the founding board members on this Bloomberg organization that sent $50 million to Planned Parenthood in cooperation with ensuring that abortion is more accessible to third world countries in this Planned Parent Global Initiative. And other Bushes, and for anybody who thinks that this is just a democratic issue or a liberal issue or conservatives and Republicans, I want you to think about the Bush legacy. Prescott's daughter-in-law, Barbara Bush, has publicly supported pro-choice positions, as does his granddaughter-in-law, Laura. So Prescott's daughter-in-law, Barbara, which was George Herbert Walker Bush's wife, and his granddaughter-in-law, Laura, wife to George W., they both have been supportive of pro-choice positions and it's public knowledge that First Lady Barbara Bush, she kept her miscarried fetus in a jar. So when we talk about family planning I want you to think about George Herbert Walker Bush, how in 1968 in Congress he was a member of Congress, he said quote, we need to make family planning a household word. In 1991 he publicly addressed Congress referring to a new world order which Most abortionists, Planned Parenthood, the Bill Gates Foundation, all of these organizations that are concerned about eugenics and population control, all of this includes, quote unquote, family planning, and it includes it on a global scale, which is why the organization associated with Jeb Bush and Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City, why they would be supporting 
global efforts to introduce abortion in countries that are by and large pro-life. So Prescott Bush supported advocacy campaigns and fundraising for Planned Parenthood. Jeb is involved in fundraising that goes towards Planned Parenthood. People may or may not remember George Herbert Walker Bush in order to be allowed to be Reagan's vice president. He had to publicly change his position and politically oppose abortion and contraception and Planned Parenthood because he had supported all of these things before. Now, it's not just the Bushes. Remember, Barry Goldwater and other Republicans have been avid supporters. But I want people to understand that the government on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, Obama, Clinton, and the Bushes have all supported Planned Parenthood. So it should not be surprising that Planned Parenthood would be selling the body parts that it so carefully makes sure it suctions off of a baby's body. This is what abortion is. They use a vacuum cleaner Trained abortionists go in to identify which part of the body it is that they're suctioning off, knowing that they can sell those body parts for profit to scientific research organizations. So for anybody to say that this is not about human beings, they're lying. It is directly related to human beings. It is directly related to human rights, which, by the way, this says basically there are no rights. You have every right to be suctioned off and sold your body parts. You do not have any right to if you are living outside of the womb. And a lot of people will say, well, these babies inside the womb, they can't live on their own. Well, I don't know any toddler that can live on its own. Some professors, even at Princeton, some people argue that children should be killed up until three years old because they can't live on their own. Well, guess what? That's just going to wipe human beings off the face of the earth. That's also just completely idiotic. Who would kill three-year-olds? I mean, if you're going to kill every three-year-old because they can't take care of themselves, give me a break. We wouldn't have any next generation. I've got to take a break. Uh, you know, I've been talking a lot about the Supreme Court and its illegitimacy. I just had to throw in there the history of some aspects of Planned Parenthood and what abortion really is in terms of suctioning off babies' body parts. So people who are so upset about the selling of body parts, they should have been more upset when they when the Supreme Court legalized ripping the body parts off to begin with. This has been more than 40 years in the making. People should not be surprised that Congress is funding Planned Parenthood, and people should not be surprised that Congress could not vote. They did not have enough votes, for crying out loud, to stop funding Planned Parenthood, which is ridiculous. $500 million for suctioning off babies' body parts, and yet we don't have enough money to pay for our veterans who are killing themselves more than anybody else in this country every day. I've got to take a break. I'll be back and talk a little bit more about the Constitution and how prior to 1973, abortion had been outlawed in America for over 360 years. You're listening to Bethany Blankley on Renegade Talk Radio. You are a waste, a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. 
Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. I got rights. You got rights. We've all got rights. Hey everybody, we're back. It's Bethany, host on America's Betrayal and Renegade Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate you listening and also just the opportunity to tell you a lot about what's going on in politics that the media isn't covering and also give reminders about history and context, which is key to understanding anything that goes on today. Without context, you cannot understand anything accurately. And so if people don't understand what the due process clause or the 14th Amendment or the Constitution says, they're certainly not going to understand that the Supreme Court ruled unconstitutionally or even anti the Constitution. And so briefly, I just want to give you a little bit of history about America, pre-colonial America. So prior to America becoming America, the colonists lived under common law and British law for about 150 years. And common law, uh, which was standard under British law, understood homicide and manslaughter to include killing a pregnant woman and or her child. So murdering a pregnant woman and murdering a pregnant woman's child was considered illegal and it was considered homicide or manslaughter. And so in a column I write on constitution.com and some other news organizations, I outline what the founding fathers and constitution framers wrote and articulated about the right to life and the unalienable right that is outlined in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And even an original Supreme Court justice who George Washington appointed to the Supreme Court, his name was James Wilson, even an original Supreme Court justice clarified at the time what the framers const- what the framers understanding of protecting human life meant and this is what he said human life quote from its commencement to its close is protected by common law in the contemplations of law life begins with the infant in first able to stir in the womb by law life is protected and historically common law was a self-evident truth so people understood what right to life meant. Even John Quincy Adams, America's sixth president, and son of John Adams, America's second president, he was a diplomat and statesman, and he addressed one's right to life throughout his political career. In fact, he even emphasized the right to life in a very public speech he gave on the 55th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. And this is what he said, quote, ask the Declaration of independence and that will teach you that its authors held for self-evident truth that the right to life is the first of the unalienable rights of man and to secure and not to destroy that right governments are instituted among men meaning the government exists to protect one's right to life the founding fathers would be besides themselves and perhaps even leading a revolution against the government 
against this illegitimate Supreme Court, against the Supreme Court that violated the Constitution that they wrote. Wouldn't you want to understand what the Constitution means by actually going to the people who wrote it and understanding what the founders and the framers meant when they talked about their intent behind writing the Constitution? One of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, John Witherspoon, acknowledged the purpose of what they wrote in the Declaration and the Constitution in 1810 in something called the Reflection of Parent and Child, Witherspoon said, quote, Some nations have given parents the power of life and death over their children. In America, we have denied the power of life and death to parents. Meaning, one of our founding fathers explained at the time of writing the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, it was well understood that other countries allowed parents to kill their children. They allowed religions to kill their children. They allowed cultural norms to kill children. They knew this. They were well aware of it. It was common knowledge. They knew that some nations gave parents the authority of life and death over their children. However, he specifically clarified that in America, quote, we have denied the power of life and death to parents. The founders knew what other people were doing. And because they knew, they specifically emphasized the importance of inalienable rights. And what do inalienable rights mean? Again, they mean the right of human beings. A human being's right to live comes from God, not from man-made laws, not from parents, and not from a woman's quote-unquote right to privacy. Parents did not have the legal right according to the founding fathers and the writers of the Constitution. Parents did not have the legal right to deny their unborn child their right to live. This was well known 40 years prior to the 14th Amendment ever being adopted. Even 50 years, even 100 years. We're talking 366 years of common law and jurisprudence in colonial pre-colonial, post-colonial America that in 1973 the Supreme Court completely overruled and abolished. American settlers knew the importance of protecting one's right to life. Well before the Constitution was ever ratified, settlers devised, wrote, and implemented state laws, and they all prohibited abortion. State laws prohibited abortion before the Constitution was ever ratified, before the 14th Amendment was ever adopted. I want to quote something in Virginia state law. They specified that doctors who gave a pregnant woman, quote, a potion or medicine to destroy the child within her committed murder. The law expounded even further. It clarified the doctor and the woman's motive for using the potion. The law stated that the potion, quote, was not given to her to cure her of a disease, but unlawfully to destroy the child from within her. So basically what Virginia law was saying that both the physician and the woman knew what they were doing. They were intentionally seeking to end the life of an unborn child. And Virginia law said, nope, 
That's illegal. We know what you're trying to do, and that is called murder. So both the doctor and the pregnant woman were guilty of murder. And so what's issued, so what's at issue today in America isn't just common law or the Supreme Court, but if either of those things are even relevant, because Congress, the president, and the general population of American citizens have not challenged the illegality of the Supreme Court's ruling in 1973. And as John Quincy Adams said, the right to life is the first of inalienable rights to secure and not to destroy. That is what governments are instituted for. So either the government is going to secure or destroy the unalienable right of a right to life. And if you destroy the right to life, there's no point in having any rights about anything. There's no point in advocating human rights can exist when you cannot have the right to be a human to begin with. So these are just some thoughts to think about with the founding fathers, common law and the Constitution and the illegality of the Supreme Court and the illegitimacy of the Supreme Court and Congress and Obama. And it's up to everybody listening to this program and to others to do something about it because the power is still left. However small, there is still power left in the people. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Bethany on Renegade Talk Radio.